beautiful people and welcome back to the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe. I'm talking about the Fight Podcast with your host, the underground king. You know who it is, Serge Vicente, man. I hope you guys are doing amazing and joining me for episode one. 87 man you know we keep it moving right along um i hope everyone has had an amazing weekend we had so many fights so many epic performances and um I can't wait to get to all of them for you guys, man. But before we get to that, remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meals and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 10% off of your first three months. Check them out on all social media platforms at Sage Eats Chicago. And um, yeah, man, show them some love. Also, don't forget to check out the Fight Podcast. Let everybody know we're everywhere podcasts are available apple google play spotify soundcloud stitcher man also check the website out thefightpodcast.com and follow me man i love some extra likes check us out on social media at the fight podcast and check me out at serge vicente yo man so much happened this weekend I was in my home away from home. I was in L.A. this past weekend and uh, I was celebrating my birthday uh, with my girlfriend out there. So I had a great time uh, just chilling, relaxing, enjoying everything, man, and um, chilling, relaxing uh, over here, getting my fresh prints on. Uh, but uh, it was good, man. It was good. But man, so many fights this weekend. And I know when I was with my lady, I always try to stay off the phone. And I always try to make a big point to not watch as many fights <laughs> as I normally do uh, on the weekends. But look, man, she knew what it was. And at the end of the day, it was my birthday. So I had to tell her, like, look, man, I need to check these fights out. So we had Saturday all kinds of action. So on today's menu, we have to talk about Tyson Fury's domination of the former champ Deontay Wilder. We also go over UFC Auckland, Hooker versus Felder. Was that fight a robbery? We'll discuss Bellator 240 and so much more, man. So we got a lot to get to, yo. So with that being said, Tyson Fury goes out there and gets the seventh round TKO of Deontay Wilder for the WBC strap. Yeah, this people, I will be very honest with you. I know at this point in time, everyone's heard so many different things. This was a one-sided beatdown. And I'm going to say it was a beatdown because it wasn't just somebody going out there and just kicking his ass, which it was. It was a beautiful game plan executed to perfection by Fury and his team. There was so much going on before this fight, and I will be very honest with you guys. I absolutely picked Deontay Wilder, and I picked Deontay Wilder for a couple of different reasons. I did not like Tyson Fury changing camps. I thought he had something good going with his coaches. I, I never liked seeing those things. I also heard that he hasn't been as focused. That might have contributed to the weight gain. Thirdly, I heard, again, little birdie told me, man, he had 
terrible ankle injuries in this fight. So coming into it in the camp, I'm hearing all of these things, all of these breakdowns and everything. So when I hear these things, I'm like, look, man, at the end of the day, if he's compromised this much, I have to give Deontay Wilder the fight. He's already proven that he can hurt him. He's the hardest hitting heavyweight of all time. I'm rocking with Wilder. And I wasn't the only one that said that. There's so many different media person, Teddy Atlas, everybody. So look, I'm telling you guys now, if everyone's pounding their chest, I told you so-and-so was gonna win. You're full of shit, all right? Look, man, none of us knew it was a 50-50 fight for a reason. Another thing that I continue hearing, which I think is absolutely laughable, to say Deontay Wilder was afraid, fam, Go ahead and keep on having Cheeto fingers. Continue going out there and being a troll. This man has 44 career fights. He's knocked everybody out aside from Tyson Fury. Do you really believe somebody who knocked this dude out already thoroughly believes he's going to do it again is afraid? Come on, man. That That is something that I always hate, and this is the one thing, and look, I'm not always here to, to shit on casual fans, but that is such a casual fan thing to say, oh, he's afraid, he's scared. Fam, he is a professional fighter who is a world champion going for his 11th title defense against a man who he's already been in there with. Of course he's not afraid. Now, I will say this, and I will admit this, from the very beginning, the moment he took off the Master Shredder outfit, bruh, something didn't look right. And I'm not here to make excuses. And I'm going to talk about Deontay's bullshit excuses in a moment. But he did definitely looked off from the very beginning. He says he has some things going on that's neither here nor there because I will be honest with you. The main reason that Deontay Wilder won, or should I say, lost his fight wasn't because of all the excuses. Yes, those things kind of hurt, but it was thoroughly because of Tyson Fury and the work that he did. Tyson Fury, in the lead up to this fight, said he was going to knock out Deontay Wilder. Tyson Fury is not known to be a power puncher. Tyson Fury also came in this fight 18 pounds heavier than he did the fight before. People were thinking, is he out of shape? He left Ben Davidson. He went to, to, to Sugar Hill over there a Kronk Gym. Dude, that Kronk Gym style. Salute to Detroit. Fam, their style is go out there and get you. Hard jabs, beat your ass. Straight Tommy Hearn style. That is how they train their athletes. That is exactly what Tyson Fury went out there and did. So there's a couple things and there are a couple keys to Fury's victory. First off was his stance. One thing that he did, he's usually super light on his feet. He usually bounces back and forth, so he's kind of bladed like most fighters are. He did something that I noticed that he made a point to sit back, and he actually had almost like this A stance, where his front leg was a little bit more straight, but he's still coming downhill. He's able to go ahead and still use all of the dexterity that he has in his hips, and he's able to make sure that he stays away, so he still is able to lean back, Let's not forget this dude is 6'9". So you got a 6'9 dude coming downhill, utilizing his jab, 
and so much more. So that was the first thing that I noticed, the thing that he absolutely took advantage of, which was different from his first time around. Secondly, Fury and his feints. He put on a masterclass of feints. I talk about a lot uh, in terms of Israel Adesanya and MMA and all those boys over there at City Kickboxing in Auckland, New Zealand. The way that they go out there and faint and one of their coach, the main coach says, the person who faints the most nine out of 10 times wins the fight because they're educated in what they do. So we really think about it and we really look at what's happening. Yo, that is exactly what Fury was doing. Not only was he hitting Woods constant faints, yo, Deontay Wilder bites on everything. Every single faint. And here's the thing. We know all the, the deficiencies that he has in his game. That, that's, that's noted. We understand that. But the team understood completely what they were asked of, they understood completely Deontay Wilder's deficiencies. They knew for a fact he has some of the most remedial um, defense in the game. He either shells up and he backs up. What they tried to do with the fainting, they tried to make sure they continued turning Deontay Wilder and not trap him in the corners. They wanted him to, fam, essentially keep on those Bambi legs. He's always kind of off-footed. He's moving around. He's falling all over himself. They wanted him to do that. So what Tyson Fury did was he was ended up throwing. He was fanning into it. He ended up doing a double step. So with the double step, he kept himself so far away from Deontay Wilder on top of his height that he wouldn't let him get close. But next thing you know, the next thing he did is he took a double step in. Again, very similar to a la Israel Adesanya. This double step in. And will crack him, but then he had he was quick enough on his feet to move out. He cut angles consistently and he made sure that he was not throwing straight punches. The last time they fought, everything was straight down the pipe. This time he utilized so many hooks, even to the point that the jab and the left hook, a lot of times he used it not to actually land. He did it so he would actually make Deontay Wilder react to it and turn him so that he can throw the huge right hand over the top. And that's actually the punch that landed and dropped Deontay Wilder in the third round. It was all set up. And also the reason that they wanted to and they continued jabbing not only to the body, but jabbing to the outside that was keeping Deontay Wilder, it kept his right hand at bay. He kept it there. Yo, he made it so that, look, fam, I'm going to keep coming downhill. And that's the thing. Everybody allows Deontay Wilder to set the pace. You're fighting at his pace. Even if you're winning, he is able to sit there. He's comfortable. He's coming downhill. Yo, right from the very beginning, Tyson Fury was the bully. He straight bully balled, buddy. And that's the thing. Deontay Wilder is so accustomed to being the hammer, he's never had to be the nail. So right from the very beginning, yo, Tyson Fury took the center of the state the, the, of the ring. He took the center of the ring. He utilized his feints to get in position. And then with those looping punches, he landed bombs. And look, after the first time he dropped him, I don't know if everyone's saying he just had Deontay White had a cut in his ear or whatever. Whatever the case may be, he 
completely went out there and outclassed Buddy. It wasn't even close. Um, he he went out there and just dominated it from pillar to post. It was one of the most. First of all, yo, that's the best ass whooping I've ever seen for two undefeated fighters. They generally look like they didn't belong on the same stage. They didn't. You have a guy out there in Deontay Wilder who legitimately is one of the greatest of our era just got beat by somebody who was better. Now, everybody talks about the rematch and what's going to happen next and whatever. I don't need to see this rematch next. Because I've seen them fight twice. And the only thing I know is that in these rounds, out of the 20 rounds that they've been in there against each other, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Tyson Fury's won 18 of them. What makes me think that he's going to do anything different? I I don't know. I don't see it, man. So um, when we going out there, man, Deontay Wilder, this is something that I'll say that Deontay Wilder didn't do well because honestly, all praises do have to go to Fury. Fury looked incredible. He proved that he is the greatest heavyweight fighter of this era. It's not even close. 6'9", long. We only believed that he was a boxer that could move backwards. He proved to me that he could also be the hammer and he can be the bully and he can come straight downhill and literally beat your ass. And that's exactly what he did. What can this man not do? He has a granite chin. He has a nasty heart. I mean, dude, how are you going to beat this dude? It's incredible, man. This dude is one of the best I've ever seen. Um, if you watched that fight this weekend, you, 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 you enjoyed a treat. If you haven't seen it, you need to go back. Yo, that is what boxing is supposed to look like. Deontay Wilder. He was exposed. And that's the thing. Not only was he exposed in terms of defensively and everything that we already know about him yes we know he is not as technically proficient as the other fighters but we always knew he had that one equalizer but what happens when someone no one is afraid of that equalizer what happens when somebody makes him fight and makes him fight off of his back foot well we learned that first of all it takes the very best guy to do that and the next thing we learned is that if that does happen He has so many holes in his game, he's not going to do anything about it. Now, in the same way that I said Tyson Fury utilized feints and utilized his distance to pretty much shorten the distance and get farther away, right? Deontay Wilder doesn't have that that mental capacity in the cage, man, in the ring. He doesn't do that at all, which is crazy to see, man. You have so many fights. How have you not gotten this? He's so athletic. He's gotten accustomed to utilizing bad habits. He throws punches from so far away. Tyson Fury was utilizing feints to get closer and he was hitting them again, hitting that quick double step and then dropping that big right hand. Deontay Wilder was taking that shot from so far out. Tyson Fury had an opportunity to sit there and actually move out the way he saw it coming. Which brings me to my next point. It is time. For Deontay Wilder to leave Tuscaloosa, Alabama. He has to. 
We got to the point now that we realize, fam, there's somebody out there better than you. You cannot just utilize your power. Now let's go out here. Let's get a real trainer because what, what's Buddy's name? Jay uh, Diaz or JD's, whatever his name is, his quote unquote coach, the first guy to ever coach him. Yo, Buddy, JD, you suck. You suck for so many different reasons. It blows my mind. First of all, what do you do? Mark Breland, we already understand, that is the Hall of Fame boxer in this corner. Mark Breland is the one that threw the towel in, that saved Deontay Wilder. And I'm going to be honest with you, that fight got stopped in the seventh round 1,000%. It should have been stopped in the fifth. My man was looking like Bambi, falling everywhere. Every single place, he was falling left and right. He couldn't stand up on his own. He had no answers for anything. Every time he put his hands up, he got hit in the body. He put his hands down, he got hit in the face. Tyson Fury's offense limited. Not even talking about his defense yet. His offense stifled his um, Deontay Wilder, and that's my thing. What are you guys teaching this man? Yes, he has an amazing one, too. Yes, he's incredibly athletic. But what are we doing? How is it possible that Deontay Wilder does not know how to faint? How is it possible that Deontay Wilder bites off of every faint? How does he not know how to cut the distance intelligently? I would love... Would love to see Deontay Wilder train with somebody like a Freddie Roach, a Virgil Hunter. Oh, my God. I would. Yes, that is what he needs. Give him somebody that is going to give him the fun, not change anything, not change anything. But give him specific fundamentals that enhances his game plan. So after this fight, Deontay Wilder goes out there and he, he's pretty much saying a couple different things. One. There's a 30-day uh, rematch clause, and at the end of the day, they say that if, if he wants it, the rematch will happen again in the summer. I told you guys already, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see it. I don't need to see it. I don't care to see it. So that's first and foremost, but they're probably going to go ahead and do it. In that time, can he actually make the adjustments necessary? I don't think so. But one thing I will say, which I thought was crazy, absolutely bananas. Deontay Wilder, after the fight, goes out there and says, he didn't hurt me. He didn't hurt me at all. But the simple fact is that my uniform was way too heavy for me. And he's going to go ahead and exercise his rematch clause for a summer trilogy against Tyson Fury. And he says the only reason that his legs were weakened was because of the 45-pound costume he wore in the ring. <sighs> Yo, Deontay Wilder, you my guy. You know that. I talk about you at the top of the bit. You are like I. You are the heavyweight champion that we deserve. Fam, stop it. Stop it. You're, 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 first of all, this nigga, you called it a uniform. Your uniform was too heavy. 45 whole pounds. Fam, you're the heavyweight champion of the world. 
of the world. And you go out there and you're saying that your your super shredder outfit was too heavy? Bro, you wore that the same thing you wore against uh, of uh <laughs> of Luis Ortiz. But Luis Ortiz did not lean on you and weigh on you. Yo, Tyson Fury, he literally had this set up. If he slipped the right hand, which he knew was coming, he would make a point to wrap his left arm around the head of Deontay Wilder, put all of his 280 pounds probably at the time on top of him, and then start ripping him to the body. Ugh, nasty with it. And then not only, here's another thing that I don't understand why they didn't talk about in the broadcast, the way Tyson Fury was switching stances. That was a beautiful thing to watch, yo. It was so beautiful to watch. He would literally, very similar to a Max Holloway in MMA, very similar to a Vasily Lomachenko, very similar to a, a, um, a Marvin Hagler. He would throw a combination. This is actually the way he actually got the, the knockdown with the left hook to the body. He'd throw a combination on the right-hand side. As he threw the right hand, he would continue going. He wouldn't switch back. He would stay in that stance and start ripping punches on the other side, staying in a softball stance. It completely confused Deontay Wilder. Oh, dude, this dude's performance was amazing. That, that was the equivalent to a Picasso. Legitimately. It was a J.C. Rivera. It was a Hebrew Brantley. It was a Nicolas Smith, fam. That was incredible. The way he went out there and just painted that picture. Oh, my God. But to sit there and say, yo, this happened because I was wearing my Super Shredder outfit and it was too heavy and the D-cell batteries was heavy. Bro, stop it. You got your ass kicked because he's a better boxer than you are. And he had he's a better boxer who put together a better game plan because his coaches are more skilled than yours. Which brings me to my very next point. After the fight, Deontay Waters says, I'm, I'm pissed off at my corner. There are going to be consequences. You know you're not supposed to throw the towel in. I said I would be willing to kill somebody in here. You need to be willing to let me die. What the fuck? What kind of retarded shit? You're definitely concussed if that's how you feel. Deontay Wilder has like eight kids. Why? The reason you got into fighting was to provide for your daughter who has spinal bifida. And now you're saying, oh, don't throw in the towel and I'm going to sit there and be upset with Mark Breland, the only Hall of Famer, the legitimate fighter, the legitimate coach in my corner. You're crazy. Mark Breland saved your life. You should be thanking that man. And this is my problem with JD's or JD or whatever the fuck his name is. He went out there because he is sucking on the teat of the Deontay Wilder train. Well, no, you know, uh, I thought it was a bad. I don't know why he threw the towel in. I wouldn't have thrown the towel in. No, he shouldn't have done it because Deontay, if it was me, I wouldn't have done it. 
Deontay Wilder throws a big right hand, and if he landed it, everything all could have been turned around. Deontay Wilder, he said, should have been allowed to go out on his shield. Yo, Nevada, California, New York, whomever has Deontay Wilder's next fight, do not license that idiot. Your job in the corner is to protect your fighter from themselves. This is just as idiotic as somebody sitting there telling me that Deontay Wilder was afraid. You're both idiots. To sit there and say, oh, I'm going to let my man go out in his shield. Are you fucking crazy? We had not one, not two, but we had three deaths in boxing in 2019. One was on the zone. One was on ESPN. I watched them both live. One was here in Chicago. I don't need to rehash those things, but you do not play boxing. You do not play combat sports. And the idea of going out on your shield, look, that is something that is great to say for the public. But as a coach, as a trainer, that is not your call. Your job is to save your fighter from themselves because guess what? As a fighter, most of us, you're right. That's how we we want to. I want to put me out. I'm going to keep fighting until I can't fight anymore. Deontay Wilder, he's tough. He proved that he's tough. We knew he was compromised and he continued to fight. But let's go back to the seventh round. We talk about that final sequence. Again, sweeping left hand that was not meant to land. He did that consistently. Deontay Wilder, the goofball defensively, reacts to it. And then Tyson Fury finally threw a straight right hand, bang, right down the middle. Right down the middle, right down the middle of the pipe. So to sit back and actually say, look, man, dude, he saved his fighter. If Mark Brilliant's job is compromised or they're done after this, you know what, man? Deontay Wilder is not the champion that I believed he was. But here's the thing. I think he is. And this is how Deontay Wilder comes back from this. First of all, leave your team. Go hire another, a, a real coach, a real trainer, and start building back up. A champion is not made off of an undefeated record. We have been blinded and bamboozled, hoodwinked, and run amok from Floyd Mayweather. That is not combat sports. Bruh, everybody gets touched. Is If you stay around this game long enough, somebody is going to get you. By hook or by crook, somebody's going to get you. It's just the nature of the game. What makes a champion is the way you pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and go back to the drawing board. Deontay Wilder could legitimately win his belts back. He has to make some huge changes, but that is something that he can make. That's the reason why I'm going to be honest with you. I don't consider Ronda Rousey a champion. And I'm not, and I've never been a fan. She got her ass whooped, took her ball, and went fucking home. 
That's the fucking difference. So let's see what Deontay Wilder is made of. I believe him to be a true champion. I believe that he will be back and in a big way. But he needs to make the changes necessary. Not the changes that make him comfortable. Not the things that he's just like, look, this is, this is my comfort zone. This has gotten me this far. No. No. We always upgrade. Nigga, my, my phone upgrades by itself when I don't want it to because it's constantly getting better. As people, we consistently read books and podcasts and TED Talks and these things because it consistently grow and expand and get better. We eat healthy and all these things to get better. Why would I stay with somebody who has proven that it's not making me better? Let's see what happens. I can't wait to see. But that's what Deontay Water wants to do next. Tyson Fury, on the other hand, my man has options. Ooh, does he have options? Tyson Fury has a unique opportunity to one. If he gets the rematch again, they have the rematch clause, he can go out there and dust off Wilder one, one more time to solidify his place. Or if that fight does not come to fruition, he has an opportunity to fight Anthony Joshua. Now, if Anthony Joshua is about to fight against uh, Pulev very soon, should be in a really good fight. It's not a walkover fight, but it's a fight that he can absolutely win. Now, if he gets past him, Eddie Hearn, head promoter at Matchroom, uh, not Deontay, uh, Anthony Joshua's guy, has already said that he wants that fight to happen in the summertime. But if that fight does not happen in the summer and he has to fight the rematch, they already have a date set for November. So no if ands, or buts about it as long as both men come out of this year unscathed, we will see the fight. It'll be the biggest boxing fight in British heavyweight boxing history. Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua. That is the fight that needs to happen. That is the fight that will be for the unified heavyweight title of the world. The legitimate baddest man on the planet will be crowned that day. And I'm calling it here. It will be Tyson Fury. All right, man. Remember. The Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meals and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Again, that is sageeatschicago.com. If you are not in Chicago, yo, it's dope. It's cool. Sage Eats still has something for you. Sage Eats also offers fitness mentoring and nutrition consultation. They have one of their fitness mentors, one of their schooled, certified, well-learned coaches on staff go out there and actually write out a four-week program for you on the workout end and the nutrition end and put a program specifically together for you so you can continue growing and being better in your day-to-day life. And you don't have to have somebody over your head. They have that for you. It is only 75 bucks for the month. What? Come on, son. You have that with like a Planet Fitness membership. 100 bucks, you good for the whole month. 
So check out Sage Eat Chicago today. SageEatChicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 10% off of your first three months. Also, don't forget to tell your friends, your family, and everybody about the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe, <laughs> the Fight Podcast, man. Uh, hosted by me, the underground king, Serge Vicente. We are everywhere. Podcasting is available. Apple, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Also check out the website, thefightpodcast.com. Don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms at The Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Bang! All right, yo, let's keep the party going, man. Um, This weekend also, <laughs> the best MMA fight of the year happened this weekend. I know, I know. Everyone's talking about the boxing, and it's true. That was the creme de la creme, the mwah, the, the peace, the resistance, all that good shit. That was the boxing fight, yes. But if we want to talk about sheer madness and just straight up savagery in its finest, beautiful form, you would have had to check out UFC Auckland. Yo. Number sixth ranked Paul Felder, uh, 17-5 record versus Dan the Hangman Hooker in Dan Man's um, backyard in Auckland, New Zealand was an amazing fight. Most times these fights, they, they don't live up to expectations. They don't. This one did and some. Oh, my God. Yo, I've had to watch this fight a couple of times amazing fight final score ended up being 48 47 47 48 48 47 split decision win for the winner in a very controversial fight dan hooker man what an amazing fight man this is one of this is why i i love and fell in love with combat sports fights like this where two men or women whoever it is are putting it all on the line at the highest level they did everything. Kicks, punches, elbows, takedowns, takedown defense, clinch, out of the clinch. This was a beautiful performance. Now, me personally, I had to fight three rounds to two for Paul Felder. Remember, before this fight, I actually said I thought Dan Hooker was going to win because it was going to be in his hometown. I believe he had a little bit of home cooking. I'm not going to lie to you guys um, because the more I watch a fight and I've watched it three times at this point in time, um, I don't see how you don't, you, you definitely give Dan, um, I don't see how you don't give one of the first two rounds to, to Paul Felder. I, I don't understand it. Last two absolutely go to, uh, go to Paul Felder. And me personally, the first time I watched it, I gave number rounds, I gave rounds one, two, four, and five to Paul Felder. I can make a case for some other rounds, and there were very close rounds, but in my opinion, Paul Felder was the one. Yes, his face looked like, and even in his own admission, after the fight, he said it looked like Action Bronson because he got that big-ass red beard and his face is all swollen and shit. He says he needs to start doing the next episode of uh, Fuck That's Delicious, which I think is hilarious. Um, but he goes out there, and um, and I thought he landed the more significant strikes. He was the only one. There was never a point in time when Dan Hooker was in tr was going to get Paul Felder out of there. There was multiple times in the fight, especially later in the fight, where it looked like 
Paul, uh, Dan Hooker was going to get finished. It seemed like that was coming. It was only a matter of time. So when we see these things and we see that coming, I, when, I, when I heard the decision, I, y'all, I was shocked. I was jumping up and down, man. My lady was looking at me like, what's wrong? I'm like, holy shit, this is a robbery. After I go back, look, I'm not going to say it was a robbery, but I definitely think it was home cooking. If that fight was here in the States, if it was in Vegas, if it was anywhere aside from Auckland, New Zealand, there is no way in hell that I think Dan Hooker gets that fight. Now, after the fight, man, uh, Paul Felder said he was contemplating retiring. God, I hope he doesn't do that. This dude is somebody who is still top five, in my opinion, in the shark tank at 155 lightweight division in the UFC. Arguably, not even arguably, that is the deepest division in the deepest weight class, in the deepest organization in all of combat sports. Top 10 lightweights in that weight class, holy shit, top 15 are killers, absolute monsters. And these two guys are right at the top of the mix. I would love to see these guys against anybody. After the fight, Dan Hooker calls out with a swollen face and everything. He went out there and he called out Justin Gaethje. I would love to see that fight. Justin Gaethje seems like he might be closing in on a fight with Conor McGregor. I'm not sure. But that would be an amazing fight. Paul Felder still deserves to go out there and fight all of those guys as well. So we'll see what happens. It was, was it a robbery? No, it wasn't a robbery. But it was beautiful, beautiful violence. That is MMA at its finest. If you want somebody. Look, bro, you want to know what like MMA? This is what I like about it. You show them fights. You show them that fight. MMA at its finest, high skill level, high IQ guys setting each other up, beautiful feints, two of the best coached athletes in the sport. <sighs> beautiful, man. Um, salute to both men, though, man. Holy shit, that was a great fight. I loved every moment of it. Um, we'll see what happens next. What I like to see, I like to see those guys fight every weekend, straight up. Um other notables on that fight card man i have to say yo salute to angela hill angela hill was somebody whom was journey a journeywoman at best but dude she's had six fights in the last 11 months and she's four and two her last fight was less than a month ago and she went out here and had an amazing performance she looks like she's finally coming into her own. She looks like somebody who is legitimately looking like a badass and somebody who will eventually be able to contend for that 115 pound strap. Salute to Angela Hill. Great win this weekend. I loved every bit of it. Um, also, this weekend, Bellator 240 was this weekend. And I'm going to be honest with you. Was it the greatest card? Mm, nah, I don't think so. Uh, Brett Primus got a pretty simple win in that one. This card was supposed to be headlined by James Gallagher. Unfortunately, he had to pull out because of a back issue. Um, but somebody on this card, friend of the show, Ricky Bandejas, goes out there and nasty. I'll actually have it on the Fight Podcast's IG page. One of the nastiest one-leg punch knockouts you ever see. He throws a kick. The kick gets caught. He lands two hooks right away. 
Next thing you know, man, my man's goes out there, knocks his opponent out. Beautiful performance by Ricky Bandejas. And, um, man, knocks out somebody else from SBG Ireland, man. Two guys he's knocked out from that same team. Uh, remember, he did knock out uh, Gallagher as well. I'm always happy when Ricky goes out there and does his damn thing. All in all, yo, amazing fight weekend. We learned a lot in the world of boxing. Um, man, we have less clearly than we hoped in uh, the UFC's 155-pound weight class. Uh, but all in all, man, what an amazing fight weekend. I, I feel like I was treated for my birthday. I really do. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was. Um, th- these are the weekends where people truly become fight fans. Big events well-publicized, top-quality athletes putting it all on the line. It's very difficult to go ahead and actually get all those things to mesh, um, but uh, at the end of the day, this week, it actually did, man. Uh, This weekend, we still have a lot coming up this week. Uh, We will have our fight news episode breaking down all the madness that's been going on. We're going to talk about Diego Sanchez's crazy-ass coach. We're going to talk about the drama with the coaches, that's the judging um, that's been going on in MMA and uh, and so much more, man. We have a huge fight card coming up this weekend. UFC uh, Benavides fights Figueroa for the vacant flyweight title. And uh, we have some amazing boxing as well, man. Um, Brenda Camille is going to join us later on this week. Obviously, talk all things boxing. And we'll deep dive into the Deontay Wilder-Tyson Fury match a bit more. But until then, yo, that is about all of the time that I have for today, man. As always, I appreciate you guys listening to me, paying attention, spending time here at the Fight Podcast. This has been episode 187 of the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe. Oh, real quick, before I forget, man. Mwah, besos to my beautiful girlfriend, Natasha, man, um, in LA. Yo, she took care of me. Um, I had an amazing birthday weekend with her. Those are the the times that are always special to me, man. And I don't ever like getting sappy like that. But, yo, that that's that's my road dog, man. That's my ace. And uh, I'm happy that she's in my life, man. So thank you, baby, for an amazing, amazing birthday weekend. All right, yo, with that being said, this is the Underground King, Serge Vicente. Love you guys. Deuces. <laughs>